0: Welcome to Post-Apocalyptic Pod. This is Rob. This is John. Uh, first off, uh, a couple shout-outs. Uh, Ryan Slager for our opening and closing music on the pod, which I haven't mentioned in the past oh, yeah, few. Absolutely. I like it. Just a little mellow in, little mellow out. That's all you need. Talented guy, former member of Ozma, a band who used to tour with Weezer and stuff like that. Just good guy. Check him out. I don't yeah. think he has a website. He's very artistic so he doesn't even have a website <laughs> Um that. also a uh, mannequin update still in the hopper no no feelers out yet but you know we think it, it's it's getting legs as people like to anyway, say anyway it's going around town we got our Elijah Wood Mila Kunis uh, cast all lined oh, up man. so just you know it takes a while as a any other one else in the business knows it's you know it's about a five year game plan. It's gonna happen though. It's really gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> I really do hope Mannequin. It's funny. I uh, was thinking earlier today. It's we're hitting that 30th anniversary of like the big 86. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, 30th anniversary of anything right now. You right. Can just go back. But I was looking up at 86 movies. Don't ask I have no idea. I think it was because what I came. I went down a rabbit hole of. Um, john hughes as i do once in a while like reflect of course and it's uh, 30 years since ferris bueller wow like it doesn't feel so many iconic movies from john hughes other movies just i mean to go off uh the top ranking films of 86 were top gun number one crocodile dundee crocodile, number two. of course I, <laughs> you forget that one platoon mm-hmm. karate kid 2 star trek 4 which was okay. a good one voyage home that right. was the, the even ones one. are good yeah. yeah the even ones are good back to school Back to school. Oh, Money Field? Yeah. Number six. Back to school. Baffling, yeah. isn't it? Like that's when it
1: came out, I'm like, I don't wanna go see back to school. Now, granted I was I probably wasn't old enough to see it, but it right. was like it seemed to be even then I thought, is this like Dangerfield just doing anything to, or are they
0: just putting him in something they just shove him into something I think it was just like he had an overall deal and it was just like yeah, what you not, do you want
1: to do we got this back to school uh, we want to have uh, you know uh, Michael J. Fox and, and uh, Bert, I don't know Burt Reynolds or whoever it was
0: and they are like can you what do you think about uh, Rodney Dangerfield you're like oh okay. <laughs> yeah that was the um, it's like here's the back to school script older guy that goes back for his was it his son or grandkid? I'm guessing grandkid because Dangerfield was a hundred. Yeah, he was at least a hundred. So uh, it's like, yeah, point. like uh, we have Burt Reynolds, we have maybe even Clint Eastwood or something. Yeah. It's like we're going like that. Then they just kept no, yeah, no, <laughs> and
1: Then you no. get to Dangerfield.
0: They like all of a sudden it's like Rodney Dangerfield, sold, right. Um, so you got back to, back to School. Aliens. Back to School did better than what? Aliens. No. <laughs> that's granted. That's of 86, not counting the legacy, obviously. We talk more about Aliens now than we do Back to School. Uh, but then, <laughs> yes. right? So that's, that's, Aliens is sa- sandwiched that's between Back to School and the Golden Child.
1: Really? Wait, so <laughs> it, So it's Aliens, and then under <clears throat> Aliens is the Golden, golden Child.
0: Golden Child,
1: yeah. Okay. Okay. God, Golden Child, that was. I would like if you b- did a blind taste test of those three films. Right. I totally would go Aliens, Golden Child, Back
0: to School. Right. Well, Back to School. From what I remember, Back to School, I don't recall if I saw it in the theater. Eighty-six was a time when I was doing a lot of theater going. Yeah. Um, and I might have seen it at the theater, but it's definitely an HBO movie. Even at that time, that was one that would have been. On all the time on HBO yes, like a year later. That's definitely like, something I would have seen. Yeah. I saw it four times probably in 87. But I didn't see it in 86. But how is Aliens? Like, I mean, I remember I saw Aliens in the theater. I do remember that. How is Back to School? Like, and by only $4 million though. So Back to School made $91 million. Aliens made 86. Wow. wow. I don't, I don't. <laughs> was it like Aliens was released in November? Like, yeah, December 20th, <laughs> yeah. and that was exactly. all the money it could make. Oddly yes. enough, I should really know when this was released, because we I think we were talking about a couple of... Pons, July, it was a summer movie, July 18th. Oh, wow. Well, so, not, no excuse. Uh, um, well, yeah, then was, well, let's see, back to school. Was back to school, when was that released? July 18th, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it beat Aliens for opening week. June 13th, so a month month before. So uh, It kind of shows you where, you know, with the
1: election this week it just kind of shows you where our country is now like now you release those two movies and it's a different yes
0: different story I don't know We release those now I think Back to School does really good again
1: (laughs) I mean I think it does I think it does well it's just that the culture now is so you know, sci-fi, superhero. Well, the the actual industry is so uh, top-heavy with those movies that, you know, back to school. In order for back to school to really happen, obviously not Dangerfield, but it's not going to be someone of Dangerfield's, uh, it's not going to be
0: the equivalent to Dangerfield. It's going to have to be in some big ensemble, Apatow comedy or something. Or, example, Bad Grandpa. Sadly, I think we've even talked about on this pod, and we've only done seven, so Bad gra- okay. same Not the same premise, but they go on a road trip. So it's Robert De Niro, who – not comparing to Rodney (laughs) Dangerfield at all, but that is a – that would be what we're talking about, like the equivalent. Like if you want to make back to the school now, you would find a De Niro. Like if you wanted like – oh, De Niro goes back to school for his kid, Zac Efron, who's in – I mean that's literally the way – I mean if we were to talk – we don't usually – well, yeah, usually, like, when we talk about recasting movies, we do go back to, like, an 80s or maybe even early 90s. But, like, someone actually thought that through and went, Bad Grandpa is actually ba- back to school. Because that's how we would have – I think we would have probably almost equated, like, if we were to talk about back to school, like, that was today's topic, which I wasn't at all, I think we would have probably naturally come to that conclusion if Bad Grandpa didn't exist. Yeah. I think we would have maybe, like, all right, who who's an old guy? we would have went down the line. Although Clint Eastwood have, would have been hilarious at 90. See, and, and
1: thats I think that that's what sort of our generation who's running Hollywood now. It's like you sort of, back then, you wouldn't think of you know Robert De Niro in a role like that. No, not at all. Um, and, and I don't know if he would have done a, a, a role like that, but I know that there are a lot of actors who want to do stuff like that, but no one really thinks of them in that role, or maybe the agent's not doesn't want them to go in that direction. You know, now it's like you and I and people like us who are, not that we're running Hollywood, but... <laughs> yet. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> um, now we're like, wouldn't it be cool if, you know? And then you have the power to like offer this to De Niro
0: and De Niro now, you know, is going to run with it, you know? And two, it's sort of that um, Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder. Even though it was a small role, no one asks him to do roles like that. So True. when asked, him, it's like we're going to put you in makeup and you're going to dance and be crazy. Great. No one thought about that right. before. No one was like looking at like a back to school remake. Let's get Tom Cruise. No, 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 no. We, we wouldn't even offer that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's, he, you know, he's a different guy now, but maybe there's some people that's like, no, I want to do something outside what people think my box is. Yeah. And, but although De Niro now, like De Niro then obviously 86, you wouldn't get De Niro to right. do that. Of course. Now, like I think he's just doing movies for fun. And now I think that's all he's,
1: he's doing. Yeah. I remember talking to the actor uh Lance Reddick. It was at uh oddly enough backstory I was uh very resistant to I'll just bring it up. Don't worry Rob, I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna speak endlessly on it, but uh the wire. Um,
0: um Omar's coming. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and um I was rejecting this show because, you know, A, it was a police, and I, and I just couldn't do any more police procedurals or mm-hmm. dramas, and and uh, it was about Maryland, where I'm from, and I'm like, it's not, it, this does not sound, you know, exciting. I mean, Homicide show was fine, but I mean, I don't think I was really old enough to get it, mm-hmm. but uh, it really wasn't something that excited me, because it was, you know... I wanted to get out of Maryland and come to you know LA, bright lights, big city. But well, a friend of mine convinced me to watch it, and it's one of those things where you know you're talk, he's talking to me about uh, the merits of that show, and I'm like, all right, all right. And someone, some people would walk and go, yeah, yeah, you, you got to watch it. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> d- you're white, you, mm. in my- I don't know you, <laughs> exactly. Random people come, <laughs> I guess sure. I got to watch it. Yeah. So I tried to just back in the day when they actually had video stores, and I was trying to. I uh, videos. Rent it. You yeah. know? And I went to literally 12 and could not find. And them. that was all the remaining. It was 12, like all of lied. them. <laughs> <laughs> I <can't>, exactly. <laughs> I went to all of them and could not find the first season at all. But mm-hmm. one of them, one of the actors from The Wire, was going to speak, you know, at the video <laughs> store. Like I had a couple of days. So I went and saw. Like a him. signing or something? or He signed stuff. People had signed. But it was like five of us there. Oh. You know, and he was just in the back of the video store. You can meet him and stuff like that. Was he promoting anything? I'm baffled by this. Not I, really. You know, I like, mean, I guess The Wire season, I think The Wire season four had just come out on DVD. Oh, maybe he was promoting Promoting that, something there. Okay. But literally, dude, it was like a Saturday morning and it was a few of us, you know, in folding chairs. But, you know, he would talk, it was cool because he would talk about his experience, not only in The Wire, but, in his career, uh, how he's actually from Baltimore. He didn't have the Baltimore accident, accent, which I love. No, not I don't. Not love. Um, <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> but he doesn't have that. And so he was from Baltimore, and he's like saying that he was struggling in Baltimore with his wife and kids and um, trying to get into Yale drama huh? school. Wow. He got in, and uh, he said the only person who uh, still working and is successful today who was in his class was uh, was paul giamatti oh wow yeah so i was like really wow this is are they the same age or um or yes oh okay yeah yeah similar um it was a grad school so he
0: you know it could differ in ages but i don't think they're that far apart okay um i, sh- I think because someone like paul giamatti feels like he's been around for ever, right. so I probably place him older in my mind. I think you do. Than he, he is.
1: Was, yeah, because when he came out the gate he,
0: even though he was he, 50 when he came out he, of the gate he, when he was 20. Exactly. So.
1: <laughs> you could tell he's young, but this the face he has is like, this is an older guy. Yeah. But he he said, you know, I always get, and he does as well, I always get police. Like he was doing fringe, mm-hmm. you know, at the time. It's like, you know, I always get police and FBI and this sort of like uh, sort of austere Head of the department kind of guy. Um, he said, "But you know what? I really want to." He said, "I really want to do a comedy." Oh, he's like, "That's all I want to do. Like, I just want to have some fun." I wish someone would, you know, bring up a comedy, you know, because uh, you know, no one ever wants to cast me in that. Huh. You know, and and he said. That's what I've always wanted to do. And, like, you see him in The Wire and you see him in other things, and you're thinking, wow, you know, serious, serious actor. He's not going <laughs> to. Yeah. I can't even imagine him in a comedy. So I think that that's what maybe people are thinking, that they don't see him in that role because they can't imagine him being that. You know, Hollywood has a really, even though it's supposedly a creative industry, they have a hard time right trying to think outside of the box and getting, yeah. you know, People to do certain things and when you have that one executive that one person that one even actor who says let's get you know um anthony hopkins to do this like comedy mm-hmm. then you're like wow that's genius
0: yeah why didn't i think of that well because you were trying to be safe um, yeah i mean well it's also too you get used to like if you're just thinking of tom cruise you you have his history of movies to go back on like if someone if you're going big like de niro before, like all of a sudden, he turned into doing whatever the fuckers or something like that was probably a big stretch, right, I mean, I think it was the first big, big one, yeah like big comedy for him, even though he was still playing himself, he was just happened to be in a comedy, yeah, it's sort of like you think about uh I was just thinking about it because I saw I was at an event where Denzel Washington and the cast offenses were there, mm-hmm. and they showed a clip, cool. and I haven't seen the play John has intense, yeah. I don't, I want to see the movie, but I'm uncomfortable watching the two minute clip they they showed. Yeah. Uh, The clip they showed Denzel's son. I don't know any of the actor, I don't know the character's name because they showed one clip and it was quick. Uh, His son was talking to him about, I don't think you like me. It's like, why do I have to like you? Yeah. I was like, this is going to be the most brutal movie. Yeah. And Denzel, in this two minutes, they showed. Was phenomenal. He's a great actor. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not even like, oh, this is his breakout movie. No, it's not his breakout movie. <laughs> He's had a break- dozen breakout and movies. And introducing Denzel Washington. Yeah. But then you think about it, like some of his first stuff, a like carbon copy. And like, like, he started off on comedy, Right, carbon copy. I so remember that. It's one of those things where it's like, although now I just couldn't imagine just slapping him in a comedy. Although I could almost picture him doing a Tyler Perry comedy because... I imagine them being friends yeah. i have no idea if they are friends right but imagine him going fine i'll play <laughs> i'll play that role in you know right gobble the medea thanksgiving or yeah. whatever <laughs> but i don't know if because he's a funny guy um he was funny in person like he was telling stories and it's like then they show the clip and it's like you scare me <laughs> you know like yeah. in that role and yeah and i think you were saying james earl jones did that role and i can't imagine James Earl
1: Jones, yeah, he originated that role on Broadway and um, got a Tony, and uh-huh. it, it, it it's the ultimate. It's sort of the ultimate scary dad, is what that role is. I mean, it's a lot more than that. But um, you talk about that scene. The scene you talk about is a very famous scene. They even performed that in the Tonys as well. But it's basically this this father and son. The father in this time a lot of August Wilson's plays are about you know just trying to find your way in the world mm-hmm. you know in these turbulent times as African Americans it's you know basically that father trying to mold his son you know in the way that he thinks you know is best mm-hmm. and um, you know part of it's going to be the way his father treated him and all the horrible things that happen to him so he's just going to you know. Do
0: they go into that in the the play or is it just he talks about how his father was? Uh Denzel's father. Yeah, he
1: t- they in the play they talk he talks about his dad oh, okay. and what and what you know, what happened. Mm-hmm. And um ba- mainly he's just basically trying to set the kid on a course to survive mm-hmm. in this world. But he doesn't in a way where he doesn't realize it's you know, it's 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 a little too overbearing, mm-hmm. you know. And so James Earl Jones obviously is scary. I mean, with that, with the voice and 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 just you know, he's just tall. He's just basically looking down on his son and just telling him, "I'm I'm the alpha, and, and yeah. you're you know, you're, you're the kid. You need to listen to what I say." So it's kind of like the kid is kind of like in in, in a sort of sort of prison, and he's sort of like the the, the warden, mm-hmm. and um, you know, he's just. He's very bad at parenting. Like, it's mm. just not, like, he just he just has one way of dealing with his son. And so the scene that you saw is basically, you know, the kid trying to make some sort of, uh, trying to have a conversation with his father. And you realize that, that that will never happen.
0: Yeah, and that he just wants to know that, from what I saw, that not a, he's not even looking to be loved by his dad. He just yeah. wants to be liked. Yeah. And, yeah. and just the way Denzel turns around in the scene in the movie, it's like, who says I have to like you? Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, I, I know what this movie's yeah. about now. <laughs> it's just like,
1: yeah, he's like, all, all I'm trying to do is like teach you how to be in this world. And that's it. And it's like all of the compassion that you think he should have, and I think he should have, his uh, wife think he should mm-hmm. have, is gone because mm-hmm. of what has happened and what his day-to-day struggle is Mm -hmm. all of that is gone so none of that matters there's no time for that there's no room for that there's only room for me to tell you how to survive and that's it okay and it's like but a kid is a kid and a kid still needs something something still needs to be nurtured still needs to be loved yeah you know just telling him this is what you got to do nobody's going to give you anything going your way that doesn't do much for him, you know. Right. for For his parents to say that doesn't do much for him. So, Denzel is another kind of uh, scary figure, mm-hmm. you know. And in and life, as
0: I've heard stories, he can be very scary. So yeah, he seems intense. Yeah, yeah. But with a smile sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're intense even when you're happy. I guess. Definitely. That's why it's so funny to even think of a movie like Carbon Copy, like that he was. I'm doing a comedy, yeah. But I mean, early on in his career, so it's not like right. he was probably the intensity that he is now.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's he's an intense individual because he's 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 got that you know that sort of alpha thing. Like he knows his his sort of status, and mm-hmm. so he can go around and, and and wield it pretty well. You know, I think you know around the set, he's just really really good, and people really, really like working with him because he's gonna take that role and he's gonna own it and he's gonna he's gonna put everything into it and mm-hmm. uh, you're not gonna have to worry about him um, yeah. as an actor at all and there are few like that today uh, right but but he's he's one of those guys and uh, carbon copy what happened with that was um, and I think I don't know if Lavar Burton told this story if I heard him to tell him to tell me this but why is he telling that story <laughs> Um, well, for that role, they had a bunch of, you know, African American actors up for Mm -hmm. that role. LeVar Burton, I think it was, it came down to two guys. Okay. LeVar Burton and this guy just out of school, or maybe he, he had done some theater, but that's about it. He hadn't done any movies or anything. This new actor named Denzel Washington, (laughs) you know, and so...
0: The unheard of guy, you know, mm-hmm.
1: Denzel Washington beat LeVar Burton out for that role.
0: Was LeVar Burton at that time doing Reading Rainbow? Yeah. He you was think doing maybe that was what, it's like, I don't know, the Reading Rainbow guy? Can he be funny? I think, I think,
1: I think he just beat him out. Just oh. he was the better, you know. Right. They thought he was the better choice. I mean, he had a lot of energy in that role. I mean, he was, I remember carbon <laughs> coffee because back in the day when they had video stores. Yeah. I was with my mom and we were trying to look for something, and I guess for some reason, sometimes she would just pick movies from my brother and me, mm-hmm. and she's like, and maybe the guy at the store told her, "Hey, you know, Carbon Copy is kind of funny," so <laughs> she bought that for us. That's the only way I would have even known or seen about uh, seeing that movie because mm-hmm.
0: after that, I don't know if I've, I,
1: you know, cable or anything.
0: I, I mean. I remember the movie, and it was either a rental or HBO, because I, I just happened to look it up, and it was 81. So okay. probably 83. It was on HBO. Yep. Like, you know, It was like probably a two-year thing. Carbon copy. I had no idea. I probably watched it. Like, I've seen it maybe twice, and that's it. And I haven't touched it in yeah. 36 years or whatever like that. But I was looking up the director. I was like, hey, what else has he done? Dude still goes. Yeah. yeah I, uh, Michael Schultz. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. born in 38. Knocking out, he does uh, New Girl. He does Arrow. Just doing these action shows. Michael Schultz,
1: actually, is a big
0: yeah, TV I was, director. Yeah, he's, I guess, seeing the name now and what he's done, it's like, yeah. oh, I've seen that name, yeah, but I yeah. don't see that name going, the carbon copy guy is still working. I'm sure he doesn't want yeah. to be the <laughs> carbon like, copy guy. Oh, It's like, I, can I just be <clears throat> the, what else has he done that maybe give him a little... Uh, can I be the uh, Cooley High or Car Wash guy as over the Carbon Copy guy? Did he do those? Yeah, he did those. Oh, right. He did do Cooley. What am I talking about? Yeah, Cooley High was amazing. You know what's crazy? He did Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart. The really? weird remake or the weird, like, uh, Bee Gees and yeah. Peter Frampton movie based on he the, you know. Did that? Really? Yeah. How does that even go? I mean, would that, it would, that would have to definitely be a sub. It's like, all right, we're going to make a movie about the album but not have the Beatles in it. Well, obviously, because it was '78. Uh, but we're gonna do the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton. <laughs> <are> gonna... <laughs> that I don't know any more probably people on drugs than doing that movie. Yeah. So you have wow the Bee Gees, Peter Frampton, Steve Martin, Aerosmith, Alice Cooper, Earth Wind and Fire, <laughs> and George Burns. If, you gotta put George. <laughs> you gotta throw George. If you talk about the '80s <laughs> at all, you gotta put George Burns. I was watching um, was a, probably a year ago or something. I watched part of Oh God, uh, mm-hmm. Bob Denver, and you know George Burns. A- Hold up, remarkably. Really? I, granted, I watched probably twenty-five minutes of it or something, and obviously it was bookend by Oh God, book two. And I'm like, why are we having a marathon of this? And I was like. <laughs> cable needs content and and I'm watching them so Wait was this was this recently? It's about 6 months ago but No way, it was that Yeah no I'm not talking This is like
1: a I'm a not talking. A marathon from the dudes
0: from the 80s I remember that Yeah but, no I'm not talking hey 10 years ago rather. when I was watching this no I'm talking within the year I was watching part of Oh god and then all of a sudden I went Movie holds up Bob Denver Terry Garth this is pretty good and then I think an hour later I think I flipped back Yeah and Oh god book 2 was on I'm like why that, are these back-to-back in 2016? That takes me back to my childhood when it was that same marathon. Yeah, those would be on HBO a lot. Yeah, totally. Oh, God. Like, oddly enough, holds up. Yes, it's very... Um, what is it? Short I'm going to say 70... 77. Holy shit. Uh, I was going to say 78, 79, and then the second one was 80, so now it must be 79 or something. 77.
1: I, you know, I must Star have seen Wars these and, things oh, way after that, because I, I, I wouldn't have been...
0: Oh, yeah, no, 77, I wasn't. Yeah, I mean, to me, the reason why I probably think Oh God's an 80s movie is because I saw it a lot Yeah, in the 80s. In the 80s, yeah. You know, 77, not bad. Eh, I would have never guessed that Oh God, book two was 80, so they waited three years. So basically, they were on the same Star Wars path. We should have had a third one in 84 right when Jedi came out. Oh was, what was the the uh, box office that year? 77, uh, was it? Well, uh, oh God, and then Star Wars. But no, yeah, Oh God, Star yeah. Wars, and uh, let's see, 1977. Heat was a big movie in 86. I had that up. I was like, Heat? I was thinking of the... De Niro film, oddly enough. Wait,
1: that came out in '86? No, no. This was the
0: uh, Burt Reynolds.
1: Uh, Of of course. The (laughs) Uh, the original.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the original Heat, even though they had nothing to do (laughs) with each other. Absolutely nothing. Um, Let's see. 77? Let's see what the. um, It literally just says Star Wars. (laughs) I didn't even scroll down. Um, It made the top 10 in 1977. What? Star Wars did? Oh, God. Oh. Okay. Number one. Star Wars, mm-hmm. number two, Smokey and the Bandit. Okay, well that was big. That was big. But number three, Close Encounters. Oh, wait. <laughs> Smokey and the Bandit beat Close Whoa, Encounters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. Goodbye, Girl. Saturday Night Good. Fever. Goodbye. Oh God. Goodbye, Girl was um, I don't want to click it because I know it. Um, it Neil Simon, uh, Richard Dreyfuss, and mm, Marshall okay. Mason. Yeah. Okay. It's like now that's in your head. It's like yeah, good. Yeah,
1: that's when those movies could thrive.
0: Like that's when you could be number four. Yeah, yeah. that's when those movies made 102 million dollars. Bridge Too Far, which I don't really think I know. The Deep, The Spy Who Loved Me, and Annie Hall. Wait, Annie Hall was underneath all those. Yeah, number ten. Wow, 38 million. But it's weird though because you think of um, lexicon—a word we use a lot. You you look at those movies and you could probably take out a Bridge Too Far. I honestly don't don't remember it The Deep and uh, that then would probably because I would definitely say it would probably be Star Wars Smokey Close Encounters Star Night Fever then probably Annie Hall of movies I remember not vividly from 77 I don't remember these but how I would picture those movies like A Bridge Too Far War Film? Sounds like it It Sounds like a war Yeah Let's see Here we go Bridge Too Far made 50 million in 1977 and we can do this Oh yeah, it's someone parachuting down. A Bridge Too Far is a British-American epic war film based on the 1974 book of the same name, um, that directed it? by Richard Attenborough. Oh, okay. S- uh, screenplay by William Goldman. Oh, like a, one of the legendary screenwriters of all time. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, we could probably take that movie out and bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it didn't have anyone in it, but James Con, Michael Caine, Sean Connery, Anthony I, Hopkins, Gene Hackman, I don't have Lawrence Olivier, it. Robert Redford. You know, yeah, there's nobody in it. Uh, yeah, I just sort of let's just okay. Talk well, about that movie. yeah, I mean, uh, well, granted, it has everything in it. It's just a movie that I don't see. I've seen Oh God more on cable than I've seen A Bridge right. Too Far, so I don't. What, what does that say, America? I yeah. mean, come on. Yeah. I blame you, America. Yeah, America.
1: For a lot of things, America, I blame you.
0: <laughs> and um, The Deep. Do you remember The Deep? It sounds familiar. But Peter Yates sounds- directed, Green played by someone I don't know, starring Robert Shaw, Jacqueline Bissett, Nick Nolte, Louis, Louis, Louis Gossett Jr. Deep. What's the uh, pitch? What's the uh, logline? Is anything worth the terror of The Deep? Is this like like one of those like horror, like the thing... I think so. Yeah. Um, while scuba diving near shipwreck near shipwrecks off Bermuda, vacationing couple recover a number of artifacts, including an amber covered liquid, an am, a medallion of amber covered liquid bearing an image of a woman and the letters S C O P N.
1: You know what? I think I have seen it, but it's it's one of those cable things I've probably seen like ten years later. So. Yeah, 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 and you had no idea. Yeah, it's like all right. And I thought it was hell. This just came out. This is new. Uh, yeah, a lot of these movies you you're telling me the dates. I'm like, I, I saw like 10 or 12 it's years. Like, why later. do I
0: know this movie yeah. so well when I was not yeah. seeing that movie at the theater? Exactly. Um, yeah, so I didn't even see Star Wars. Yeah, no, uh, I, I couldn't have seen Star Wars I was too young. My wife did. Like someone, she doesn't remember it. Yeah, she was. Her uncle took her to Star Wars, so it's one of those like, yes, I saw it in the theater. Yeah. Do I remember the experience? No, but I remember the movie. Like I feel like I've seen it in the theater. I mean, granted, I think I saw the re-release in the theater, but I remember seeing it so many times that yeah. you feel like you. Oh, no, I saw it in the theater. It's like no, I didn't. Yeah, I clearly didn't see that movie in the yeah. theater.
1: I just remember like being in school and years later, and kids were playing with Star Wars figures, right? And I was like, and they were like, Star Wars. Star Wars is coming like a new. Star Wars is coming. coming. Yeah, Star Wars coming. Star Wars coming, (laughs) and I'm just like, what the hell is Star Wars? And like, I didn't know what Star Wars was. Mm -hmm. I was way too young. But like the first one, like Mm -hmm. I, I there's no way I
0: would have known. I I, I wouldn't have gone to the theater to see that. Yeah, and I don't think my parents bought me Star Wars toys that Christmas. Yeah, because they just happened to see, oh, here's some space toys. They wouldn't, yeah, yeah, because that wasn't even
1: a thing back then. They uh, Fox didn't even want merchandising for Star Wars because they were like, it's not going to do
0: anything, right? Um, Because that doesn't nobody buys that stuff. Was Um, it that? Was it that Christmas toys came out? Was it the following year when the movie was a hit? Because I know he took merchandising, right? I just don't remember. I don't know.
1: Like, I don't know. It's a good, yeah. Because
0: if the movie came out, like, in the summer or May, Mm -hmm. I guess they they would have known big enough to, like, then drop some toys that crib we got to go into manufacturing right now. Because, I mean, if it was May and then that movie was blowing up had time by Christmas to have yeah. a couple toys and they were probably like and do, yeah." yeah. Do, you, do you start out with
1: like a couple toys or does Lucas in his mad genius does he go alright because you know he conceptualized the whole thing and had you know um, concept art for mm-hmm. Star Wars a ton of it that didn't even make it into you know the film right? but would flesh out you know other Star Wars universes mm-hmm. um, do you think he applied that same sort of
0: energy to all right, you're gonna give me merchandising all right i'm gonna like we're gonna take this full on and i'm gonna he might have been it. working on it but you still had to take that gamble of someone having to see it he might have been working on it yeah. then they release it and then people are waiting in line Then it's like oh here's my uh christmas plan let's see i mean i can i'm pretty sure the internet would tell me when the uh first star wars toys because i mean it was number one so you would think okay we'll put out you yeah, know, we'll put out a few toys. Yeah, do they rush it during the summer? Like, oh, kids want to play with these toys. You know, Kenner Star Wars action figures. That's so crazy. Yeah, that was the Kenner. Um, <laughs> it actually says from seventy-eight to eighty-five, so it was definitely uh, like the following year. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, let's see, uh, although Star Wars had been released in 77, Kenner was unprepared for the unprecedented response to the film and the high demand for toys. Unable to build a sufficient stock in time for the lucrative Christmas market, they instead sold early bird certificate packages which included a certificate for which could be mailed to Kenner to redeem for four Star Wars figures. The box also contained a diorama display. So that was um, these later 78. So basically what it was, was like, we're not prepared, but here, fill this out, you know, and then we'll mail you toys later or something. That's wild.
1: Yeah. Because uh, I figured they wouldn't be prepared for that because that's not the way, I don't think production worked that right. way. Like they sort of, oh, let's just put out a bunch
0: now. You, yeah. get, you get spoilers not, now because like there'll be a, be a website. It's like, we know who the villain is in Avengers because someone at a toy fair showed their lineup of toys and went, Oh. I guess whoever Thanos is in yeah. this one because there's a Thanos character. So it's like they get they literally ship, you know, scripts and everything to the toy people and they start making molds like before the movie's even finished.
1: Yeah. I mean, now it's like because of this, because
0: of Star Wars, this is what's happening. Right. Like uh, initially it says you uh, you ordered it out of the Sears or J C Penney's catalog. Of, of course. So there was people got a catalog and went, oh, my God, Star Wars. You know, like if the kid, because I remember yeah. flipping to the toy section. If I right. saw it, it would be like, "I want that
1: toy." So oh, the toy section. Remember that? Remember getting a catalog and flipping <sighs> to the toy which section. Just like you,
0: just like clothes, don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toys, 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 toys. It's always in the back.
1: Yeah. Toys, toys. Oh, here we go. Three pages. Yeah. Of those, like gold.
0: You're like, ah, toys. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, now it's it's whatever. So for Empire. For the anticipation not, not of the, the release. TV show, right? Yeah, not Empire the TV show. Oh, I want some uh, <laughs> cookie. Yeah, <Right>, some <laughs> that shit. You should look it up and see if that she's an action figure. Oh, I bet you. if Golden Girls have an action figure, I'm sure Cookie has an, right. an action figure. Sales in '79 topped a hundred million dollars for toys. Wow. So you know that's where George Lucas got all his money. Um, let's see, and '85, then they were just pumping it out by then, by, you know, Jedi. Then they they got smart. But,
1: yeah, I mean, I'm sure Star Wars, if the studio's like, yeah, sure, you can have the rights to the movie. Yeah, you can have merchandising. Whatever, dude. We're just going to put it out because we We're dumping it. it. We don't like this
0: space farm movie. Yeah, (laughs) it's like,
1: whatever. I know you're uh, bitter about not getting to direct The Flash, so we'll let you make your Star
0: Wars movie. (laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) That's so funny, Empire. Uh, it looks like they are getting an action figure. So Cookie will huh, have an action figure. All right, figure. And Lucius. Yeah, I it. Lucius. And Lucius. I haven't. I haven't watched one episode, but I, haven't I know. Either, but those those you know. Uh, it doesn't say what they are going to be like, so I don't know if they're like not Barbie, but in the sense of like a like a twelve inch, or if it's yeah, like an action like figure, fully art, not a fully articulated um, sort of thing. I don't know. Maybe, uh, who does those really good ones? Um, there's some that where they look just like the actor. Yeah. Like, they're to the point where you pay, like, $100. You're like, oh, my God, it looks just like the actor. But some of them are like, you know, I was looking at some,
1: <clears throat> for a friend, I was looking at some Darth Vader <laughs> figure, right. uh, ones, and um, some of them are really, really well, like, you could take off the helmet, and mm-hmm. it shows the actual face. And right. And um,
0: fully articulated and those are like thousand. And they're and once again, they're amazing. Or more. My friend, uh, he loves all that collectible stuff and he'll send me, oh my god, look at this because he knows I like Back to the Future. So it's like they came out with the uh, the DeLorean and Marty, but separately, of course. You know, yeah. Because you can get your $600 each. Of course. Um, they were pretty amazing. I was like, oh my god, I need this. And then even with the $600 price, I don't care. I still need this yes. and I realized, I don't <laughs> I don't you're need like, it. I
1: don't need. it. You get it home, and you're like, yeah, I didn't really need to yeah. drop six hundred for this. I'd
0: rather get like um those pop vinyls or mm-hmm. something where it's like, look, I paid six dollars. It's yeah. sort of reminiscent of what I need. I don't totally. Know, I don't need an exact. If I'm spending six hundred dollars, I'm just gonna then add another twenty grand to that and just get an actual real DeLorean. <laughs> totally, just drive a, a real DeLorean. Then going, look at my model of a DeLorean sitting right there. So yeah, I'm not. Um, I'm not the toy person that I used to be. Like, I, I was never the toy. Uh, yes, as a kid, we all had the action right. figures, but now it's like I'll see things. and It's like that's cool. I mean, I'll get occasionally I'll get something for my desk. You know, it's like oh that's kind of cool. You know, but I don't. The collectible stuff it's just sort of above me now. Like, I mean, I'm not above it. It's just above me now. I don't. I think I can appreciate it. If, like, my friend sends me like, look at this Deadpool statue. Holy shit! This is amazing. And then I just put it to the side. It's, I saw that photo. It was amazing. It's sort of like your buddy.
1: You look at your buddy as like the museum. So, like, you can go over to his home. You can appreciate yeah. it at that point, you know, with the wife, you yeah. know. It's like in the, his little exhibits, yeah. you know. And then you go back home you enjoy your life. You don't have to, like, clutter up your home yeah. with, you know, five $5,000 of, like, you know, two or three figures. Right. And go, Yeah. Every
0: day you go, yeah, I'm, there, a is. there it is, right there. You know, I have, life-like. A, like, I have a few of those. They're sitting in storage right now. <laughs> See? <laughs> Me but, too. Uh, it's funny, though, to think that, because uh, I actually do have a friend that loves aliens, and he does have some really cool mm-hmm. alien stuff, but I'm thinking I should just do Back to the Future, or Back to School, because that actually made more money than aliens. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that aliens thing is really cool, but I'm trying to keep it legit. Uh, back to school did better than that, so here's my Rodney Dangerfield action figure.
1: Please say every time you say back to school, I'm picturing Dangerfield in his cap and gown and stuff
0: like that. Let's see if they have a, if they ever made some sort of figure. I bet they did. Uh, have you seen? It's not pop. I'm trying to think of the company name. It's something vinyl, but it's not the pop vinyl because the pop vinyl I think are the small ones. It's yeah. something like vinyl dolls with a z why not right you know put a yeah, z on it of but what they do is they do almost a caricature of the characters so they have these great once again i've seen them in person i almost bought them the ghostbusters mm-hmm. and i was like yep i need these of course there's no winston i felt bad for winston no. so they did the three and i'm like, like let's winston leave out to? winston it's <laughs> like, although like i don't know it's easy to do a caricature of bill murray and dan Aykroyd. Mm-hmm. i don't know if winston really comes caricature like I don't know if Ernie Hudson under it would just look like Ernie Hudson, but they had caricatures and they're funny because they're just like they did a um, uh, Doc and Marty, mm-hmm. and they're just caricature versions in vinyl and they're great. But once again, I have like, these are you, fantastic. And where'd you see these? I saw them online and then in store in the Burbank, uh, the beautiful Burb downtown, beautiful oh, Burbank, it's, it's uh, be California. Beautiful this time of year. There's a Halloween store that's open twenty 24- four. Hours that no, actually, it's open open every day. It's one of those like all year round, it's not a Halloween store for Halloween. It's just you go in there and you can buy stuff like that pop vinyls and Halloween themed stuff for those goth people in Burbank. Back to school for those goth families, yeah, yeah. The the goth people that are suffering through the 90 degree November we're having right now, right? Uh, Let's see, I don't know. Back to school seems like Action figure, let's see. <laughs> I'm, I say action figure, but it's like not really. what yeah. I don't know. I figure if they had anything, Rodney Dangerfield it would probably be Caddyshack. Yes, like because well, that's obviously. more of a iconic role. They do have welcome Welcome Back, Cotter dolls. <laughs> I don't know why that came up. It's kind of hard to look because it's back to school everything. So it's like you go back right. to school action figures. It's sort of hard. So maybe I have to put in Rodney dangerfield let's see come on internet oh it came up rodney uh, there we go um made 41 million in uh, vhs sales really yeah that's uh there you go uh there's a rodney dangerfield figure yeah no they just have figures of rodney dangerfield nothing um back to school you know because you could
1: you know i guess now with 3d printing you could sort of
0: make make your own own make your own
1: (laughs) You want to do that? I don't know. Oh man, I am
0: a huge fan of Back to School. (laughs) (laughs) Just sell it. Just go to the next convention and sell like Back to School, like all the characters. Yeah. Well, as we shit on it, it's actually. I'm looking now. One of the screenwriters was Harold Ramis. (laughs) No, the thing. The thing is, Back to School. If I were to watch it, even probably even now, I'd probably really enjoy it. I mean, it was of the time. It was like one of those movies that you would really want to yeah watch. it was definitely um as we always say uh it's such a weird term now because like an hbo movie yeah it's like i say that now and it's like well like what do you mean there's 20 hbo's it's back in the day like when john and i were growing up there was one hbo you had one hbo right. one showtime one stars if if star i don't think he stars exist it was hbo cinemax showtime i think were the yeah. big three. Oh, and the movie the movie channel. channel was like something people got but they didn't really no one, no one specifically ordered the yeah. movie channel. So you had to like search for it, or it wasn't like packaged with. It wasn't advertised like right. the other ones. And were. if you had it, if like uh, it would be like uh, HBO Cinemax and um, the uh, HBO Cinemax Showtime would be like the channels would be in succession. The yeah. movie channel would not. The movie, yeah, the movie channel would be down the line. So it's, like, it's on eighty two. Yeah. Why? <laughs> um, but so back in the day, you would have like a movie like Back to School, which came out in eighty six, so it probably hit HBO. That was when things hit a year later. You would probably be able to right. rent it a year later, and I think the, one of the first movies I remember breaking that cycle was um, Batman, Tim Burton's Batman with Michael mm-hmm. Keaton. Was I saw it in the summer and that fall it was think, at the video store. You're, yeah, you're exactly and right. And it was yeah. like I can I it can is, rent it right now. It is a wall of Batman. Yeah, yeah. They had 100 copies at, at was it Blockbuster? Was Blockbuster? It was just a video store, so I think. think. I don't think maybe Blockbuster. I don't remember Blockbuster until. More of the early '90s, the '90s, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I remember my local video store had at least a hundred copies, and I remember after the first week, if you went in there, there were none. Like they ordered that many, going, we'll never run yes. out of Batman.
1: If there Everyone were none. You're checked right. Out Batman. You're
0: right. There was there were none of them. But you could really just revisit. Like, oh my god, I saw that movie twice in the theater. I can watch it again right now. Whereas in '86 back to school even a movie that beat aliens at the box office would still be a year yeah before it would be at the video store so and then even then after that it would probably go to hbo so it would be a movie that would be on heavy rotation on hbo so it would be an hbo movie where it's like it would be the filler movie midday so back to school was on all the time it felt like and when you only had one channel like one hbo yeah oh back to school all right i'll watch it you know yeah i
1: mean because It was telling you, know, you this is
0: what you have to watch right now Four screenwriters, three story buys, and an uncredited on Back to School. <laughs> it took that many people wow. to mold back to Back to School into um, what it was. I, I want to say though that there were a lot of comedies like
1: that around the time that were really good. I mean, you note know, that was a sweet spot of uh, John Hughes. John Hughes. Yeah. Um, that I mean, these things. I mean, you know, you hate to be like the the old guy go well back in the movies were better
0: back then i'm not some were i'm just saying not all of them some movies now are fantastic some but certain genres i would definitely say maybe comedies definitely played a lot different 80s were i think a little better but i mean we're old so yeah yeah.
1: I, i mean i i think so too um and i guess i'm just thinking of the depth of uh the comedies like y- you have a john hughes comedy but it was never it was never about just you know going for the laugh mm-hmm. you know now it's like the laugh is it that's it it's just the laugh and that's all yeah but it was like it brought it somewhere there was some heart to it and i think that there was just enough heart you know, like you mentioned, Ferris Bueller. I mean, there's some heart to that movie, but yeah, because you think most
0: about most of it, though. Yeah, you think of the core as him taking the day off from school. It's like, oh my yeah. god, watching it as a kid, it's like, oh man, what a perfect ditch day. But you realize when you watch it, it's like his senior year. He's thinking about moving on with his life and right. what his the, his relationship with his friends, his family, what. It it's definitely holds a deeper meaning when you get older. Yeah, and watch this team for sure. For sure, That's exactly right. So yeah,
1: so there's there's something to it. It's like when you write a, a script, you know, it, you, know you, you learn about screenwriting, they tell you, you know, well, what's every comedy, you know, is drama, mm-hmm. you know. It's like what what what's really going on here, you right. know? And what what you said is what's going on in in there. I mean, you
0: have his. Girlfriend, who's like, well, where are we gonna be? Like, what? Because she's a year younger. Happen? He's yeah. gonna be going to college, and exactly, she'll yeah. be in high school,
1: right? Cameron, he's like, wow, here's my best friend. He's dealing with his dad, and like, trying to assert himself, and he's got that whole thing where he's trying to he's trying to struggle
0: with. And the first probably real, even though it was done comedically, first probably you can think about it more now. Introduction to depression, yeah, in in a teen that wasn't. I'm depressed because I didn't get this. It's He's depressed because of his family life. Right. Which is, especially in the 80s when, it's like, ah, once again, it's like, kids today. No, it's like, divorce was such a new thing in the 80s. Divorce existed. Divorce has always existed. right? But it was okay to be public about a divorce in the 80s. My parents got divorced in the 80s. Yeah. But at the time it was still, oh, your parents got divorced. Are you okay? And so- now, I mean, definitely now, like your parents get divorced, no one cares like it was it was such a different thing at that time, and you accept it because you have movies now, and you know everyone you know it was- now like I imagine kids growing up now, parents get divorced or they know friends if parents are divorced. then I didn't know anyone when my parents got divorced, I was the only kid of divorced parents right I think probably at my school and and but that was uh they divorced in eighty four eighty five so that was one of those things where it's more it wasn't as it's not that it wasn't acceptable it was becoming common practice so with that i don't even mean, i sort of dropped down a hole i was trying to remember the divorce <laughs> now yeah. i'm depressed i'm cameron <laughs> Fry. but i think that's what it was was that there were we're dealing with so many different things going into the 80s that we don't deal with now now is more technology-based you know issues right then was just more about the, actually, a cultural shift going into the Reagan years, going into it's okay to get divorced you weren't my mom wasn't shunned. she maybe looked a little differently. My school probably treated her a little differently than mm-hmm. they would have had she not been divorced or something like that. So I think the cultural shift made the movies as good as they were probably i think
1: yeah and there was definitely a stigma attached to you know divorce that has been unraveled since then um do you have a movie like kramer versus kramer that you know could be talked about and could be um you know one of the top movies you know of the year i mean yeah you had this two powerhouses you know Mm -hmm. you know acting you know as as the, the lead characters but um what it was about you know, and reconcilable differences. Mm -hmm. You know, all these sort of... You're right, it was sort of like bleeding into the culture then where it was like, okay, now this is happening. We're addressing it. Today that would be like nothing because now it's like, it's more of hey, you know, we're divorced and, you know, he's gay and you know, she's, you know, she went to prison and we're all a happy family. Now it's just like it's more, it speaks to more the diversity of Uh, Of the culture and how you know their family is now made up of of many different um, Mm -hmm. people of many different walks of life and of different cultures and races and backgrounds and we're all together, all a happy family and that's normal, right? You know, you have um, the divorce thing is just whatever you know right right
0: now. Yeah, that's not even like even a movie that's i mean not even that old now like juno like mm-hmm. it opens up it's like this is i don't remember name is this deb this is my stepmom my dad you know my mom lives in arizona and sends me a cactus once a year it's like it's such a minute point but it was just showing that that wasn't her mom that was yeah. it but it wasn't in the 80s that would have been a story point like a bigger like like oh my god my my mom i don't have a connection with her it's just sort of standard like there are kids like yeah my parents are divorced and see my dad once in a while i see my mom once in a while Whatever. I don't care. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit. Okay. That was different. In the 80s, it was a lot different. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't have anyone to talk to. I had John Hughes. John <laughs> Hughes helped me through everything. But do you think with comics, could we have another John Hughes? I mean, is there in LA, There's we have summer, fire season, and screener season. We're entering screener season right now. Right. I saw a screening of Edge of 17, which is a actually R rated teen based drama which is have you seen the trailer for that it's, I haven't. um Haley stanfeld steinfeld from true grit and probably oh and uh um, she's great she... something else that we just saw recently um uh woody harrelson's in it he has a mm-hmm. pretty big supporting role in that and kira sedgwick um it was really good like it was wasn't john hughes because there was more the message was more up front as opposed to like we were saying like you watch Ferris Bueller oh my god what a great ditch day then you go back going oh this movie's deeper than yeah, I totally. thought this was a girl who was the odd girl at school dealing with her friend dating her brother uh, not the, her friend dating her friend uh, it was the main girl has a brother that her friend starts dating how about that um, yeah. really well done um, uh, the, only, the only name behind it is James L. Brooke was a producer mm-hmm. the writer director I don't know her from anything. I think it might have been her first major film that she wrote and directed. Yeah. But really, you know, through the female perspective of an outsider at school, which the school stuff was very minor. Like, she was at school a lot, but to talk to Woody Harrelson as her teacher, you know, and Woody Harrelson would give her advice or whatever. And it was just mostly her dealing with being different than all her friends and just trying to navigate it was it wasn't as good as like me earl and the dying girl which Mm -hmm. i think was just thick richness of story of what movie i'll go back to in five years going oh i didn't get that right that That would probably be the closest to a john hughes would probably be me earl and the dying girl but edge of 17 once again super solid it's like i would rather see a teen movie like that than a Zach Efron teen movie. <laughs> right. You know, where it's just like so over the top. I don't I don't not like teen movies. I do like watching them because I think I'm always trying to find the you know, a John Hughes element. And some people go, I was influenced by John Hughes. It's like, were you? Because I <laughs> saw your film and I don't feel like you saw a John Hughes film. Like, is there a chance to have another John Hughes? Like that consistent. Like, I mean, he did have his like teen things yeah. that he did a couple adult. Dramas and comedies, which once again, hold up, playing trans automobiles, he said, she yeah. said, and written by, like those, um written and directed by.
1: Yeah, I, I think that our closest thing now, and it's not that he's doing the John He's thing, but mm-hmm. is is Judd Apatow. Just because he's sort of the one guy, the machine, if you will, uh, of comedy. Mm-hmm. Like he can basically write a script for you know all those guys he usually uses, mm-hmm. and they will all definitely come out for for him, and it will be an event. Mm-hmm. And he sort of owns that set corner of uh, feature comedy. I, as far as a um, a John Hughes, I think what for me what John Hughes did was like he sort of fleshed out the world um, when he wrote it. Like yeah. when you look at any of his movies, like there's so much going on, but like, I feel like I'm there. I feel like there's, he puts certain characters in certain, you know, situations in certain places that, you know, are sort of perfectly put us in the world where we need to be, you know? And I think that's, it's interesting because that was, I think, a, a big focal point of, of, of his writing. Because now everyone just goes for the joke, you know, that is is set up, you know, seven or eight set pieces Mm -hmm. and then that's our movie. Right. But he he's, you know, like we talked about something like Ferris Bueller, you know, he just he set up those characters, Right. He set up what they were going through. He set up the world in which they were living in, Mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes the world is is big sometimes and a lot of times it's just small I mean the breakfast club so good I mean it holds up I can't now I've been trying trying for all my life all my life not all my life but I've been trying for a long time to figure out you know we're in this one location claustrophobic location Mm -hmm. and I'm there the whole time yeah because of you know these characters and these characters aren't caricatures at all right you know these are kids that you know it's like he listened mm-hmm. you know he listened to himself probably as a as a kid and then but also listened and a lot of that movies about us as an audience listening to teens mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what they have to say without any judgment or anything just It's just them. And we're just with them for these, for this hour and a half Mm -hmm. or whatever. And so that's what struck me. I mean, I I watched it again, you know, not too long ago and, you know, just how perfect it is to have, you know, someone who has this bravado, has this sort of outward appearance. Mm -hmm. And then you dig deeper into them because they're a kid. They they Mm -hmm. don't know. They're just trying to figure out how to be. Um, you feel like it's something completely different, something mm-hmm. something else. Right. You know, have another kid who's trying to get that confidence and suddenly gains it. Right. You know, I mean, these things are. This is when you go in when you go to pitch. Mm-hmm. This is what you talk about, and this right. is what gets you the movie. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's more about you know this is the joke and this is why it's funny and and I get that, but you know, I think it's funny and has a lot of heart. Right. John Hughes movies and I think that that's why you and I are talking in 2016 about John Hughes movies that happened right. 30 years ago I mean I don't know but certain movies that are out today who would just go for the joke it's like you know I, I doubt we'll be talking about Paul Blart Mall Cop in 30 years as you know looking on oh, it fondly we will
0: be, <laughs> <laughs> we will be uh, always talking about Paul Blart no way I think that's what it was, is he took this, especially with Breakfast Club, we can dissect Breakfast Club, like, he took the stereotypes, but only in the fact of those characters. Like, he did pick the pretty girl, the jock, Mm -hmm. the nerd, but didn't do the nerd nerd. Like, yeah, Anthony Michael Hall was the perfect nerd, but didn't have the glasses and the jock. Emilio the wasn't dumb. You know, like, these were all, like, actually very intelligent kids that were just, that was their path. Right. Like, I was good at sports that's it you know and that's all and it was so was so great at that time because now i was talking to a friend about you know parenting where kids have to be doing something all day every day now like oh you have to do a thousand activities but then it was sort of he became the jock because that was sort of his dad probably pushed him all right that's the one thing i'm doing yeah like now you could have a jock guy that's i'm the nerd and the jock because mm-hmm. that's kind of the culture we live in it's like you have to be everything now then it was just sort of i'm the burnout i didn't do good in one grade so i'm just gonna be the burnout right sort of my my calling or whatever and i was weird that one year now i'm the weird chick forever and i think And not to poop on judd apatow i do like his movies a lot but i think his are overcrafted like you think about like you read stories like john hughes wrote weird science in two days he also wrote uh ferris bueller in two days so There's something about the simplicity. Yeah, he probably hashed it out like once it was written. Yeah. But Apatow writes the script. He brings in a lot of comedians. Then he has like three sets of editors. It's like you edit the comedy, you edit the drama, you do an overall edit. Then we'll merge all these together. It's he's, I don't know how I would like to know because once again, these are, I don't know. I had a friend that did, worked on Love. It's a Judd Apatow show, but it's not. Judd Apatow's show. He's not directing and writing each one. So he definitely said, you know, there's multiple editors and, you know, they're putting the best show together possible. But I would be more curious of other than the stories, because I don't know Judd Apatow. I don't know people that work directly with him. Is that is his script that hashed out? Like when he's like, because he's in a thing now where he can literally go, Hey, I'm making a movie. Studio's not going to hear his pitch. They don't probably care too much. It's like, Oh, you're getting another jet Hey, I want to do a comedy with uh, Paul Rudd. Great. Yeah okay done yeah need about 40 million all right here's the check yeah. so he gets his paul rudd he gets his um uh jason siegel and all these people and they do a riff they probably even do a pass on the script and then it's like oh seth rogan did a pass on the script and like yeah 40 year old virgin's hilarious but i bet the first draft of the script is nowhere near what that movie was right like i'm sure because i think seth rogan and judd apatel wrote that seth rogan at 20 or something I know who I believe I think if he Barely focused 20. he could almost be a John Hughes but I don't think his humor lines up and his depth isn't quite there but he is one that wrote a script this weekend he's got the talent to write he definitely does like he, he could just like oh, I I hashed this out with my friends this weekend holy shit that's amazing but his comedy's a little more joke based I bet it is set up joke every page on mm-hmm. his scripts whereas that Like Apatow, like you watch 40-Year-Old Virgin. It is everything setting up to the joke. Yeah. And you think about any of the John Hughes. Yes, there's probably four jokes written in it. There's a lot of funny moments, but there's probably one or two jokes that he wrote when, ah, I got a good joke. Like, you know, a comeback or something. It's like, that's, I wrote a joke. Everything else is humor based on these characters. You know, it's not, he's writing a humorous script, but like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, is a funny script due to situations, but you're not setting up jokes the whole. Like the biggest joke is the pillow joke. Right, that's it. That's the one joke. If you, th- I mean, yes, there's multiple, but I feel like that's one where he probably went. All right, I'll pat myself on the back of the pillow joke. Yeah, you know, it's like this is no, totally. pretty good. I mean,
1: that movie. Another playing strange. and I don't know if it's just you and I um, reminiscing about the past. You know, <laughs> looking on it fondly because we. Definitely, when you first watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and I first watched it, mm-hmm. we were in a different space <laughs> in yeah. our lives than we yeah. are today. And oh would, yeah, It would mean different, it would mean something different today. But, you know, I think about that movie. Like, I think Home Run. I think Ferris Bueller. I think Home Run. Mm-hmm. I think Breakfast Club. I think Home Run. Right. You're right. It's like <clears throat> the consistency. And, and the other day I was watching, I don't even know why I was, but I was watching Home Alone. Why not? And, again, it's like where does this stuff come I mean, like hit after hit after yeah. hit and he would he would put on music all like and it just keep it keep it going mm-hmm. and he would write these movies at least a couple of them he wrote within you know 48 hours and it's the movies that you talk about you know today yeah. um but it is about something like planes trains and automobiles the guy just wants to you know to get home yeah you know the other guy just sort of wants to you know um He's, he's itching for someone else yeah for someone else in his life and these these are things that you know you could easily pitch as a drama yeah you know and and there's a lot of drama in it and but there's a lot of comedy and it's it's just at the end of it you know you talk about a feel-good comedy it's like it you feel good because you feel for these two characters because we all can sort of identify with the guy who just wants to get home and there's a lot of obstacles in his way and one of the obstacles being the guy who he kind of needs you know to to bring out something in him i like having that story and then having that comedy yeah around it yeah um and, and and I know that Judd Apatow, he sort of thinks in the same mm-hmm. realm. You also have to understand that with comedy between the '80s and today, oh yeah, it's definitely been joke forward. Yeah. So even now with um, the internet and mm-hmm. the, I don't know, I don't fine know or whatever, <laughs> it's like get out your comedy in like six seconds. Yeah. So that's all people have time for and it's like yeah it's like joke 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 you know the rule on tv is like three jokes at least three jokes on every page Mm -hmm. and to the point where it's like now it's just joke 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 and you you're like you may be laughing but like you don't remember it you know and i think that one of the things about john hughes is like i remember this and and i can apply this to my own if i'm watching you know first bueller i can apply this to my life today but i can also apply this to what i was going through back then maybe i can understand something that i was going through back then i know i had a friend a best friend through high school and then he went off to college and Mm -hmm. then i went off to college and so we sort of yeah split and um and and there's some they're at the cusp of something and that's something very real yeah you know um you know, told in a comedic way, which, you know, lets you swallow that pill a little easier, but uh it's it's all done, like you said, like there are in the Breakfast Club char- characters that mm-hmm. we all these right. archetypes that we all know, but they're real people, like they're 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 well drawn, you know, it's not like, you know, the bad guy is just bad, you know, he's just no. you know, tagging everything and you know. No, he's he's he he wants to he wants to be good too. Like wow. he, he wants to, uh, he didn't want to be there. Right. You know? Um, and he has his chip on his shoulder. Like I'm just here because i you think I'm this and you think I'm that. And so I guess I got to fall in line. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like I know who I am. I'm a badass, and I'm just going to be,
0: you know, just going right. to
1: be bad. Um, but this is sort of like, I'm a product of my family, my environment. This is kind of where I am Yeah, And so, when you put it like that, you think, "Oh, okay." I'm not looking at this guy as just someone I can write off as as a villain or as a bad boy or whatever. There's like something there, right? It shows exactly. that we all are some something. We all yeah. come from somewhere. We all have, you know, human. He, what it does is he humanizes these people to the point where you feel like this is this is something real. Like I can be in this real space. Whereas today, I feel like people feel compelled to make characters of these people you know right
0: it would be a little more like if judd apatow even did breakfast Club. like here's the exact same script it would definitely be more over the top there'd be a few more jokes there would definitely be pacing would be definitely different you would know more about them probably right away as opposed to a slow burn learn yeah where you're like oh wow that's interesting where i feel i think that was it. it's like john hughes well other weird science being a an anomaly is like everything based in this realness. Yeah. Whereas Judds, they're real-ish. Like, you know, like even if um, this is 40, which Mm -hmm. I thought was pretty good. A lot of people didn't Uh, like it. I liked it a lot. A lot of real issues, but in a thing where it's like, okay, this is not realistic. You know, a lot of it's like, we're poor in our mansion. You know, it's like, wait, how are you poor in your mansion? You know, and all the things they did were just sort of more like wacky, side adventures but the core story was really good like his heart he can have a good heart like this is 40 was like being you know closer you know being close to that age you realize like oh yeah this is kind of real struggles of being married and having kids i don't have kids but yeah those struggles were real but then it was just all this side stuff that was like okay you know it's like i get it you have to have the joke you have to have megan fox you have to have all this other stuff that's sort of jokey Right, But the core is still hard, but there was just so much. And I think, and it's not being, I'm not a prude at all. I do like that humor, but there was no, Hughes didn't rely on lewdness at all. And that's probably why maybe it holds up. Like, will, you know, 40-year-old virgin hold up in 10 years? It's actually already 10 years old now. (laughs) Will it hold up in 20 years? Maybe, but there is sort of that... It's not even like I don't care. Like, I don't care about the curse words or like boobs or anything. Most of the 80s movies I watched was I was excited because there was a yeah, 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 I had no internet. But there was something like John Hughes. There was like probably like two bad words per film. And that's what he got away with. Right. So it's like, all right, I got asshole. I win. You exactly. Know? And maybe that was it. Maybe there's, that's why they just feel different. As, I, as we we're saying, like with the cultural shift of the 80s, the comedies now are based on how we perceive reality now. So, it's like, this is how people talk. Like, you watch a Joe to Apatow, it's like, man, that's how people talk. I hear these people because I work with half these idiots. Yeah. So, it's like, yeah, I know that's what this comedy is. But also, too, like, uh, I think you were saying, too, it's like, I don't even know if their you know, comedies even get released anymore. I don't feel like I see no, comedies No, the anymore. thing is, like, we
1: talk about Apatow because he has, you know, he can write his own check, basically. Right. Um, I know he's he's probably not listening, but yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, he's like, no, no, that's not how it works. I yeah, can't yeah. do it. It's not that easy. But, um, but basically, he, you know, I mean, you get all these people in a the movie, they're going to, it's lucrative. I mean, it's, it's yeah. there's going to be a return on the investment. Yeah. So yeah, they'll give him money. You know, right now they're only doing tent poles. They're only doing right. superhero movies and stuff like that. I mean, all the other stuff, they're not really releasing. I mean, you see, you're seeing comedies that
0: are like you know low budget probably not even produced by the studio that they It's like I kind of have acquired. to It's like I have to it's like oh it's on Netflix what's this wonder why this wasn't out it was out oh yeah i didn't see any ads for it and it's yeah. like y'all enjoyed i was considered a Netflix movie it's like oh, that, that was a great Netflix movie
1: <laughs> and speaking of Netflix though they i was just looking on Netflix yesterday at like Netflix originals just yeah. in, in the search there is so much content like First of all, there can't be that many uh, Netflix originals. I know that they're like... They buy a lot. They buy a lot. But it's like, they're buying stuff that's just like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. This is not something that I would ever see. Like If I were at this major studio or Mm -hmm. network, never pick this up. I would never... you know, Because it would give it a modest following.
0: But on Netflix... You know, it, 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 they probably do it a life. more, I guess, box office on Netflix than anywhere else. You probably, if you get a half a million people to watch it, it's probably more than who would have seen it in the theater. I mean, half a million, that's, I mean, very real, unrealistic, but like, you probably have more people seen a Netflix original in quotes, like the ones that are more clearly bought and not Netflix produced, totally, than would have seen it in the theater who would have gone down and plucked down $15 to go see it.
1: I mean, it's, it's a great distribution model. I mean, what is it? Eight, nine bucks, 10 bucks a month. Yeah. And, and you, all this content is there and you go, Oh, that looks interesting. Let's kick on that and watch it. Right. And like you said, enough people do that. And you realize, all right, well we, we got something here. There is an audience for these. Yeah. things.
0: Well, um, and it's funny cause, uh, speaking of screener season, it's like I saw Edge just 17 the other day. I saw a rival last night, have lion tomorrow i mm-hmm. think that's the deb patel movie but it's funny with uh, arrival and edge of 17 there were five producing companies we're just talking about you know you're talking about netflix hey yeah. they bought it up so it starts off you see the first one it's uh maybe the paramount logo or something you're like all right paramount h brothers with a chinese logo <laughs> okay well that makes sense uh, 21 laps okay Lava bear. I wonder who Lava bear is. Yeah. And then there's another one. I'm like, holy yeah. shit! <laughs> when is this movie starting? And it's like you see all their <laughs> logos. Then it goes into a Paramount production in association and yeah. with, And I'm like, it took that, and especially well, Arrival sort of the thinking man's space movie or yeah. uh, Alien movie. It's a uh, very much an interst- uh, interstellar interstellar. Um, so I get why they probably couldn't get the the money, but. But even that it was just to sell like a teen comedy too like there were five for edge of 17 i'm like it took that many people to come up with the 20 million dollar budget for this right movie or whatever
1: yeah i mean i mean you think about it i mean from your your, my perspective of like uh production and like you think about delivering things or getting things to people you're like make sure uh a lava bear has it. Oh, and yeah. it makes sure param- those people at Paramount have yeah. it, and it makes sure they. Can you imagine how many like producers and people who right. had to get stuff that you had to like get stuff to, that had to see it for approval before this happened?
0: Yeah, but you know, there's one of those five that just get a final cut. Yeah. No, we just really wanted to see Woody Harrelson in a film. We're a big fan. Do 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 we send them anything? No. Yeah. Or send them credits to make sure their names are spelled right i can do that yeah like, oh yeah i can't imagine like don't forget after the director's done we got to send it to lava bear after lava bear goes back to the director then the director then we'll send it 21 laps because that's the director's production oh fuck like there's a flow chart yeah. in your office going who's seen it i think everyone you know <laughs> i couldn't even imagine but going back to comedies really quick i decided to pull up the 2015 comedies i was just like a comedy guide, not yeah. like the highest grossing. I was just curious of what. So you had movies like The Wedding Ringer, Kevin Hart. So mm-hmm. those, I guess, are the comedies. It's like Ride Along Two or Ride Along are basically comedies. Even
1: You're though right. it's like, I guess it's like it's you an know.
0: action comedy. But so you had The Wedding Ringer, which I'm guessing did okay. Mordecai, which we know tanked. Um, <laughs> hot Tub Time Machine Two. Okay, Hot Tub Time Machines.
1: I like uh-huh. Hot Tub Time.
0: Machine. Unfinished Business. Gotta guess on anyone who's in that. Um hmm. uh, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn, Dave Franco, Tom Wilkinson. They 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 go on a road trip for their business. I don't know. It was got it, yeah. Uh Get Hard, Kevin Hart. I think Kevin Hart just works a lot. Yeah, he he you gotta have Kevin Hart. That's a rule, I think. Super fast, one of those like spoof movies like uh the naked not, gun yeah sort of naked gun so it's basically a fast and the furious spoof that you know really who's in that i don't remember that. um not one name not only can i not pronounce any of the names in it i don't know any of the names in okay. it uh <laughs> but they also spoof twilight you know yeah finger on the pulse 10 years after twilight um paul blart mall cop 2 oh wait well, what year was that it was last year no way yeah
1: I guess I'm just trying to distance that. You're it's like, no, no, that, 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 those no, that do not exist. You're right, it was. <laughs> it yeah. was. I remember
0: seeing the trailer going, okay. Hot Pursuit with uh, yeah. Reese Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. Pitch Perfect 2. So these movies, like, granted, these are comedies. I'm not shitting on it. They got, they got their 27 production companies to make these films. Spy, Entourage the movie. Right. Ted 2. Trainwreck was last year, I guess that's right. Pixels. Yeah. The Vacation Reboot, speaking of John Hughes. Yeah. Turbo Kid. Turbo Kid, yeah. okay. The Intern, which I would not have called a comedy. It, I actually didn't mind. Yeah, you uh, didn't? Okay. I didn't mind. The Intern was okay, but comedy, I would have said more rom-com, even though it was more rom-com in nature and genre than a flat-out comedy. Yeah. You know, like it had that more of that vibe of right. a rom-com something i did really want to see that i didn't cooties i think i sent you the trailer was elijah Wood. Yeah. yeah yeah um rock the casbah which bill murray movie that just disappeared barry levinson yeah, yeah so barry i mean levinson. Wow. Um, those so basically those are the comedies that are or what they constitute a comedy now like of those films none of those are we're not going to be talking about cooties I, it might be in Hate Watch. I haven't watched it yet, right. so uh, that, I mean, we might be talking about it, but we more out be. of uh, out of a different uh, thing than an affinity. Uh, so I don't know. I guess that's where we are with comedies now. Sisters was another one that came out last year. Daddy's Home. Will Ferrell and they couldn't get Kevin Hart, so they got Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> um, the runner-up. So I mean, it, it is that weird thing of definitely comedies now are like. I don't even know if, like, half of these don't even fit in the right. Like, none of these, I guess they're all funny, but I feel like they're all, like, subgenre comedies. Like, they're not flat out comedies. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I think that that's probably a result of the fact that you kind of have to have some other angle, you know, as opposed to just uh, a comedy. I right. Mean, I think you can get away with just a straight up comedy with Judd Apatow. Like, if he just wanted to make a jokey joke movie with train wreck yeah. with yeah with, <laughs> with whoever you yeah know? I mean, which he can work with anybody um they, they're all gonna do his movies mm-hmm. um you know the landscape has definitely changed but i think you could have like i would love to recast and redo like for
0: real a revenge of the Nerds. You
1: know, And I know and, they did – I think they did
0: something recently. They tried. Howard Stern was trying to reboot it, but I th- it fell through. I don't remember the circumstances of what it was, or it was just something in his – like his production company yeah. had it, and it just never came through. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that movie, I mean, for me, besides, first of all,
1: at the age I was, not being able to unpack the fact that this was the first movie – And not a – there wasn't a preceding movie called The Nerds.
0: Oh, I see. Because of like – because that had that like Jaws the Revenge. Right, exactly. uh, Yeah, Return of the Jedi or like the – yeah, this was definitely felt like it should have been the third one or the second one. And I was
1: like, Revenge of the Nerds. Where's the first one? It was like, no, that's sort of
0: what – yeah. Just watch the movie. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> Shut up, little kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the guy at the ticket counter. Why yeah. are you waxing philosophy yeah, so what, on me? If it's
1: revenge, like is there a first one? Yeah, or? I need to know these things.
0: Um but that movie is just so you know, I mean look, their characters are in there for sure, but like Could you do it the same though? Like I just Because I like once again, like we go back down to the eighties thing. This is what 80 nerds were perceived as in the 80s this was sitcom nerds yeah like if you watch that movie that's what they based it probably it's like bill gates looks kind of goofy but he doesn't look like any of these guys yeah. i mean maybe more lewis uh more of just like a button shirt yeah. kind of goofy or whatever Popular um protector yeah Could you go that over the top in your remake? Like, if you did want to remake this.
1: No, I think that, you know, nerds now are, you know, there's like nerd chic now. Right. But nerds now, you'd have to, like, couch it in some sort of technological universe. Right. You know, Um, but I would work really hard to maintain uh, the charm of
0: that movie. Um, You definitely would have to, you know, update it because to yeah, that's almost more of an Apatow of its time. Yeah. Because comedy was pretty broad. You had some boobs in it. It's like, but once again, it wasn't, like with Apatow really relies on who he casts. Revenge of the Nerds didn't rely on who it cast. It, right. Those were all good people and most of them are still working now. But when you think Apatow, it's like, oh, Paul Rudd will be Paul Rudd. Jason Siegel will be Jason Se- Like everyone will be that version. I got Bill Hader. He'll just be a built version of Bill Hader. Like, yeah. you know, like Revenge of the Nerds isn't relying on its cast the way he would rely on uh, Paul Rudd. I need Paul Rudd to bring his Paul Ruddness to the script. You get you cast you know Anthony Edwards and Robert uh, Carradine. You weren't relying on them, right, to bring. It's like oh, we need you to spice up the script. Just an actor, right? I'm not gonna you M- just tell M- me McGinley him. and
1: it was it was all about you know it was sort of that uh, Animal House type of uh, thing, but like a, a skewed mm-hmm. version of it because you didn't have these big time you know yeah. uh, people in it but it it was uh, definitely something that like 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 you mentioned the boobs it's like boobs today don't mean
0: what they meant yeah I mean wow wow we saw boobs wow you know as yeah because a- in the movie they were baffled that they saw that Yeah. because now I can go on Instagram yeah exactly and not even looking for them I'm going to see them right exactly you know it's like oh what's this coffee shop like oh boobs yeah Exactly. Man, that, no reason doesn't so, even phase anymore. So I'm
1: almost thinking, Rob, that with what do you think? Like with the advent of
0: Stranger Things. Oh, with like a th- because would you set you could, it in a time though? Like, would that be the best way to do it? Like, obviously, don't set it in '84 because that's when that movie came exactly. out or something. Would you do it like in a mid '80s throwback, mid '90s, like to a '90s spin? It on would. It would have to like
1: tap out at night mid 90s right because the internet sort of is starting to right uh this this groundswell of enthusiasm Mm -hmm. for the internet is starting right Right. and um it'd be interesting to do something with the internet with technology Mm -hmm. but i feel like the charms of that movie then would be lost because like you said i can go see boobs you know, I can walk in walk out of my I don't have to
0: walk on my door five feet without Yeah, the way through. uh people dress, not especially true, in LA at ninety in November, yeah. you're gonna see yeah. boobs yeah. no matter what. So there's,
1: it's not yeah, it's it's just I'm just trying to think that, you know, there's something about it. Like I've recently watched it and I was okay. like, Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, because of the time where it's in, I could could get that wow, they saw boobs. And yeah. I'm and I'm there, you right. know, with with Stranger Things. Like you're back
0: there and you're in it. You know? Right, and it's almost like you would have to take that because that was a, a big point in it was that they went to the sorority, put the cameras in, and then at the yeah. end sold the photo. You would almost have to have a skewed version of that because now that's not going to be, hey, we broke in and put camera. Well, now it just sort of seems creepy. Then you can watch it now and go, it's creepy, but it doesn't feel as creepy as if I was watching it, a current movie doing that. It's like, right. well, that's a little pervy. Right. Then it just sort of, it was what it was, but... You, wouldn't, you almost wouldn't even need that scene now. You could do something like it. Something like it, You'd you do know. something like it, right. But you don't need a 15 minute them watching boob scene because it's like, it would almost be, there would have to be the one guy going, you have the internet. That's doing a lot more than those yeah, girls are exactly. doing right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I
1: mean, you could do like you know blacks, black black male, some people with a sex tape, or whatever. Yeah. But that's been
0: done, you know. So yeah. it's it's not really. Yeah, that's a that's actually a good poll though, because as much as we we would talk about like trying to remake John Hughes, I would just feel like even if someone gave me here's a hundred million dollars, I want you to make, remake Breakfast Club. No. Or yes, because I want the money, but. Yeah. I just wouldn't. Ne- I couldn't bring anything new or different to it. Even if you said it currently, and picked, you know, the five classes of people you want to maybe do a representation, but I would never do it as good as that because you wouldn't need it. Like you have everything now that still speaks to people now. If someone right. gave it, it's like. I get why you remake Vacation, because you can remake the idea of a family going on a road trip and bad things happen. Obviously, not well, because the movie didn't do well and it wasn't good. Like that, I don't know. Like Breakfast Club, like... I mean, I think the Breakfast Club you
1: could, you could do today and you could have different things. Um, right. Especially what's going on with the the world and the Mm -hmm. country and, like, you could have, like, the Muslim kid or something
0: like that. Right, yeah, you could, like I said, you could have the five different
1: But people won't have the... The charm of the Breakfast Club, to me, was sort of the all-American. All those stereotypes, Mm -hmm. there was this all-American. Yeah. It was a different time. It was like you and I were, you know, in school at that point, so you could sort of go, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. I can... You kind of get with that. Maybe not high school yet or starting high school. yeah. And you can sort of say, oh, the jock, the this, the that, you know. But this is not, you know, uh, Greece. You know, yeah. this is not something that just sort of, you know, just puts a caricature that, like, these are, like, real people. And, right. And, like... Like, these kids have the voice mm-hmm. in, the, in the movie. It's about the kids right? In their voice. It's not about the parents going, oh, these kids don't know anything. Mm-hmm. and they, they don't play off of the parents, the no. stupid parents or whatever. It's about these kids and what's really going on with them. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and I remember when I was growing up, like, I had cousins, uh, same age. Mm-hmm. And so my brother and our cousins, like, we would get together. When we get together, like, we talk about... Our things and it was right. like wow we have a chance to talk about issues that are involving us instead of talking uh, to the parents who say oh well you know your issues don't mean anything right and so this was like a movie that and i was wondering why like when i was a kid i was wondering why because my cousins they showed us this movie and we watched it and i was like so taken away with it mm-hmm. and i was wondering why i was like wondering why because i'm like it just takes place in that school yeah like I go to school every day. I don't want to go to school anymore. I don't want to watch a movie about yeah, going to school. <laughs> exactly.
0: But I love this. Yeah.
1: And I think it was. It was about these kids who, you know, this was their time to, like, talk to each other. Yeah. And and I think that that to me is what John Hughes sort of brings to to the movies. Mm-hmm. is like, he's like, this is about these people and we're going to focus on these people. You normally don't see a movie about kids and give the movie to the kids, but we're going to listen to them and this is going to be real and you're going to see especially the adults like you're going to see a lot of yourself in these kids not only as you were at that age but even today so um it's 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 really amazing and i think that that's why this stuff holds up so well and yeah. i think that's why a lot of the stuff quite frankly holds up so well like you can talk about a movie like oh god or yeah. oh god book 2 or something yeah. it's like there's stuff in there that you know um that really speaks to You know, drama and what people were really going through. Mm -hmm. People were more attuned to that back then. Now, I think, you know, we're less so because of technology, because Mm -hmm. of everything. We're sort of disconnected with people, and it's all about, you know, the joke in six seconds or, yeah. or this
0: or the the clip yeah you know and that's all you really want and that's Just all need you need a viral to clip for. out of the movie and exactly that's it those five producing companies got yeah, their exactly. worth because we have a five second clip that we exactly can, you know, scroll through one more thing before uh we go we'll try to keep it john hughes high and tight at 90 minutes this time Let's do it. 86 comedies in retrospect to the 2015 comedies i it was hard to do 2016 because things are still coming out that's why i picked back to school <laughs> Just gotten kind of funny. Uh, Pretty in Pink. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ferris Bueller. Big Trouble, Little China. Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, my gosh. Short Circuit. Crocodile Dundee. Your favorite, Howard the Duck. Yes. The Golden Child. Three Amigos. See, I mean, and you can really remember every last one. And once again, of those. there's like those comedies I read from 2015 were so all over the map of yeah. what they were. And yes, there are definitely a few. In here that, um, you know, Three Amigos is definitely different than, you know, like Pretty and Pink. But those all sort of were standard comedies. Like yeah. Golden Child's a little different because, you know. Yeah. It, but I, still. I put that as outlier, yeah. But it is pretty crazy that. And granted, those were probably the top. I'm sure if I dug deeper into more comedies, these were probably. I mean, I literally just hit 1986 comedies. I didn't genre. Yeah. It was just sort of like, here's some comedies. You yeah. know, and. Those all feel. Big Trouble in China is a little different, but that was a comedy, kind of a comedy in a weird setting. Right. But also, too, I read twenty-five movies in the nine two thousand fifteen. I read like eight. <laughs> so really, it just also comes <clears> down <throat> to it's like or eight movies, basically yeah. released, and all of them. Like when you look at it, even like the covers, everything's like, yeah, these are all comedies. Clearly, comedies like like The Intern. Once again, I'm not pooping on The Intern. It was just like vague. Fringe comedy. Like right. it's more of, like I said, it's definitely more romantic. It's not by any means. It's like, it deals with romantic issues, but it's, you know, I don't know. It's just, I, it do, I don't feel like you would put it in there with, I mean, obviously with a Ferris Bueller, a pretty in pink or something like that. Right. Like John Hughes back to back.
1: John Hughes is like, he's put, was just put out two movies.
0: Actually. It's like, Hey, can you direct it? No, I'm too busy. Yeah. I, I have, uh, I have so many other things. And, um, and unfortunately, like out of all these, I think we're getting a big trouble remake short circuit remake and i think that's it so far so 86 we'll only see two short circuit i don't mind yeah i could see you updating that you know it's just a robot or whatever it was on the other day it, it doesn't hold up as well as i remember I, I was
1: actually not a big fan like i did see it in a theater and mm-hmm. so many people were like
0: excited about it um but i you know, it just, I don't know, i just didn't. I think I went into it because it was like, oh my god, Gutenberg. Yeah, I think I, that that's what I want to say. Like the police academy,
1: we were talking oh, about yeah. that. I mean, that's, that's another thing. I don't know if you could do that today.
0: Yes, I think you could probably try and yeah. do the first one. I, I think what it is is like with police academies is that we think of all of them as a whole. So there's so many things at moments. Of, I mean, depends on how far you went into the series. I think. I don't I remember seeing the Moscow one which I think was the last official police Academy one yeah where they went to Russia but it's probably like the first four I remember more than five six or seven yeah but the first one was more of a legit straight-up comedy that then they started parodying on every right version so it's like oh people like that well let's go broader and funnier yeah so like the first one was literally just sort of a flunky guy last option I'm gonna join the police Academy but once again, it was so jokey and so, you know, Michael Winslow. Totally. It's the Bubba Smith <laughs> and the hot person. But what, 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 what I think about it. When I think about it, I think
1: about it so fondly. I think about that and just sort of the milieu, if I can use that word, of comedies mm-hmm. back then. Yeah. It sort of fit in there. And it's just like they were all sort of a similar. It's like the 80s. Like Like you can. Look at a picture and tell what decade? Tell it was in the eighties. Yeah. Oh yeah, it yeah. Was yeah. Like, oh of course. It was so distinct. You know, a Bubba Smith like all that What if it like back then it really excited me. Oh wow, Bubba Smith like I don't even remember. <laughs> but who it's he like is now. you
0: know it's like, yeah, I remember being excited about seeing Bubba Smith, but I don't know why. Yeah, I don't like, know why. <laughs> I, someone must have told me he I was great remember. at one time. And um,
1: I do want to say I just got an idea of a homework assignment for the next one. You and I should recast, and I think we could do it. We'd have to update it and update any
0: airplane. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I think <laughs> we're going to tread on some tight water with an <laughs> airplane remake. All right, I'll think about that. But, huh? but Yeah, but I think like
1: it's a big... Big order, but I think we do it, and it's it's it could, broad
0: enough comedy where yeah you might not be pooping on anyone. We'll call it a soft reboot, so no one gets too angry or go. anything. Just a soft reboot. But well, Robert Hayes will be in it in like a scene. Yes. He's still alive, right? Sorry, Robert Hayes. <laughs> I'm not really sure of the status of you, but internet's internet's. Look, I look at us keeping it high and tight. Look at, oh, look at that. I'm gonna say I'm gonna call it at 90 minutes because I'll. I'll probably cut out some gaps of of air and everything so we learned that john hughes still has a special place in our heart he does indeed Um, it is amazing though that we can you can still talk two hours about john hughes and just absolutely and probably two more hours it's just like yeah i think so and we only just picked one i mean we were just talking mostly about we talked about ferris bueller for a second but it was mostly breakfast club that's one that's one but you could go you could go through a a long list yeah probably even go through curly sue which i always put at my bottom my John Hughes yeah. but I bet if I watched it now I would definitely get more out of it totally. being a little older than I probably did because it was like John Hughes oh my god Curly Sue uh, yeah. but now I might get a little more out of it we know that Empire has uh, action figures we coming do. out we do it's We can't wait and somehow George Lucas has a piece of it we're not sure how <laughs> but we uh, we think he does and uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Because John and Rob we're on iTunes SoundCloud and and uh, Airplane Air, oh, and Southland Tales.
1: Oh, God. Oh, Southland Tales. I Ta- was okay. so
0: ready for South Southland Tales okay. discussion. Airplane and Southland Tales next week, which will then be our Thanksgiving episode. Definitely. We'll go there. Um, this is Robert. This is John. Thanks for listening.